0: Welcome on in. Thanks for joining us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone on this Friday. A lot of stuff we got to get to this morning. I'm PK. We'll get to it all. Some of it good. Some of it not so good. The coronavirus really starting to bear down across our country. And it's hitting sports figures, obviously, with players. Sean Payton, coach of the New Orleans Saints. So we'll hit that, and there's also some good news, especially for BYU. BYU running backs coach Harvey Unga was hired. They made it official, and yesterday he had an opportunity to speak to the media. we come back, we will let you hear some of that. Stay with us, 97.5,
1: 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network.
0: All right, as I said in the last segment, BYU hired running backs coach Harvey Unga, former Cougar running back. Yeah, an opportunity with the, to meet with the media. We'll let you hear some of that right now.
2: Hi, Harvey. So um, you mentioned in the release that was sent out today that this was your dream position. And I was just wondering, like, I guess, when did that sort of become a dream and how long have you been working towards it? When did it sort of start? And just sort of give us a background on all of that.
3: That's a, that's a good question. Um, geez, honestly, it, it started, I would say, my freshman year here. Um, so 2006. Um, Coach Lance Reynolds was, he was the running back coach at the time. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, I didn't, I didn't expect to, I don't know, for, for my football career to take off the way it did. I, I mean, I had goals to try to make it to the NFL, but the reality of it was, I mean, there's, I don't know, a 1% that make it. And so, um, just facing reality and stuff that that freshman year, I I, I had told Coach Reynolds that you know I, I'd love to to get into coaching once um, my playing career and everything was all said and done. So from that moment on, I think as the years went by and, and getting to know Coach Reynolds and just really reflecting on a bunch of you know my former coaches, it um it was it was kind of then I was like all right this is. This is what I want to do. This is what I love, and from from then on, it just yeah it was what I felt you know passionate about. Something that I really wanted to do.
4: What was the process like? Uh, uh, maybe why did it, it seem to have a lot of fans to take a, a a while, take a long time? And uh, and when did you kind of throw your hat in the ring? I imagine it was the day that AJ uh, announced she's going to Arizona.
3: Um yeah the. Uh, Honestly, the process I have no idea, like as far as the the time length, um, of how the hiring process goes, I can't really answer much on that. Um, I'm, I'm assuming, like you know, Connie and 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 Coach Grimes and and Tom and Brian and all those guys just probably felt the need to make sure that they were, you know, crossing their T's and dotting their eyes and making sure that they they had the right guy and the right fit and everything so my my guess is you know that that would be part of the reason that you know it was a little bit longer than obviously I would want but um yeah definitely the day that the AJ um had taken a job in Arizona he actually um he had given me a call to let me know um that that he was going down there and then like hey man I hope you're you know you're really thinking about this and you're gonna put your hat in the ring and and, and go for it, cause he, um, yeah, he. I mean, he felt that I was definitely ready for it, and um, from there, it was just, yeah, I mean, everything kind of just took off, and I just was rolling with the punches, and here I am now. So grateful for that.
4: What was the reaction like from your wife, knowing, you know, with what she'd been doing at UVU, and knowing that you were going to be sticking around?
3: Uh she's. I mean. She's always been you know my my number one fan from the playing days to to now um she's she's been my rock and and she was ecstatic i mean the, the whole time she um she was just she was pumped she was she like we both kind of started crying and <laughs> it, it was tough'cause um for for so long i think you know she she had been really just Supporting me in everything that I have been doing football-wise, and and even to going through the grinding years of being a GA, and um, you know the, the countless hours there and stuff. It, it was tough, but she was always there to support me and, and uh, motivate me and help me out. And then um, she uh, luckily, I mean, when she she took her job uh, at UVU, it was um, not gonna lie, it was <laughs> it was bittersweet, kinda just 'cause like having a GA and, and you know, go through the grind for four years, she comes in and, and takes something <laughs> right away. And and for me I was like, man, like you know, I've been doing this for a while now and, and trying to grind and she gets in and just jumps in right away. But um
4: it it's been it's been fun for the both of us. It, it's been definitely tough, but um
3: she's she's always been there and and supporting me for everything. Yeah, she was pumped. She was pumped for it.
4: Just as a follow-up to that, Harvey, does does being able to have the full-time position impact her as well in the sense that you'll both be able to continue um, at your respective coaching jobs more efficiently? Because I know she was wondering what the future might bring as far as maybe having to go someplace else.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we... um, we sat down and talked about it and and kind of mapped out, you know, um, just different scenarios and and different cases that that may come up. And um, all in all, we just, we we felt like if, if it was the right fit, it was the right move that we felt um, that, you know, was going to help us along this path as far as, you know, coaching football and everything, then, she said that she was up for, you know, going wherever we needed to go and doing whatever we needed to do. And so that that was, uh it was, it was tough, but at the same time, like I, I'm just, I was grateful for her, you know, willingness to, to do something like that and, and to um, just be so selfless about, you know, this whole, the whole process. And, and for me, it was tough just because she loves what she's doing. She's great. She's an amazing coach. And, and, the girls love her, uh, their staff, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll speak for them, but I know each and every one of them loves having her on staff and she's been doing tremendous things, you know, from the get go. And so um, it, it was kind of a like, don't know, it a weird situation to be in because I, I just, I didn't know what was going to happen this spring and, and being, this would be my last spring as a GA. Um, I needed to find something after this and, we just, yeah, I mean, everything worked out, and we're blessed and fortunate to be here. But all in all, I mean, she knows if 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 it was meant for her to be the coach, and and that was, you know, the plan. Then she knows I'm I'm all for it, and I support her and everything she does too. So it, it, we just,
4: yeah, we lucked out. Yeah, Harvey, uh, what uh, what qualifies you for this job, and uh, what do you bring to the table, if pleasure?
3: Ah. Um, so <laughs> this could answer your question too. It's tough cause I, and, and I think a lot of the, uh, the coaches give me a lot of crap about it, but, um, I don't like to talk about myself to be honest. So, um, but as far as this goes, like, I mean, I came in and helped out as a student assistant, um, for one season. And then the last four seasons, uh, being a grad assistant with um two very uh, what do you call it, two very different offensive coaching styles um has to me i think it's helped me a ton it's helped me learn and it's helped me grow as a coach um but just you know the the little things of being a grad assistant um, I kind of I overlooked it, to be honest. When I first came into this, I, I kind of thought, you know, what am I going to learn from being a grad assistant? And to be honest, I don't I don't think I would be half the coach I am now and be as prepared as I am now um, had I not had the opportunity to, to be a grad assistant and, and go through um, just a lot of learning curves and um, just, I guess, figuring out, you know, the little nuances of, of coaching um, and then building, obviously building the relationship with the players over the years, that's been a huge thing for me. Um, these, you know, I feel like these guys trust me. They, um, they, they know how I coach, they understand, um, how I teach. They, they seem to, you know, pick it up rather quickly when, when, uh, when I teach them things. And, and, um, I think having, I guess, not being an older coach and having, you know, all these years of experience, it's, you know, people can say whatever they want about that. But, um, I've had years and years of, of playing experience, but with that, I've also, you know, I've soaked everything in from, from my playing days as as a coach, from all the great coaches that, you know, I've been around and, um, you know, all the, uh, the other coaches that, I don't know if, if you, um, if, you, if you're looking for something, you're always going to find, you know, whatever you're looking for, whether it's good or bad. Um, and for me, like the playing experience has helped me out a ton, learning from all the different coaches, different offenses. Um, and then obviously coaching the position that I, I played and have played at at every level, I think definitely, you know, helps me out a ton. And, and not to say that, you know, players make the best coaches or anything like that but it, it does help quite a bit especially if you're coaching the position you played and that you feel like you 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 mastered so i mean that's definitely a few things that, that helped me and, and kind of mold me into i guess the right guy for this position
2: yeah hard my my connection's a little bit in and out here but i'll try to sneak something in first congrats um again as well like everybody else has mentioned but uh how how do you feel like you're different or or maybe could be different as coach unga as opposed to ga harvey unga kind of helping to run the room or or do you feel like you are different i mean maybe that's kind of a non-secutor but do you feel like you have the chance to be a little bit different now that now that sort of the position's yours
3: for sure yeah no and um i'm glad you asked that because they're uh I guess there there was a point in time where um, some of the coaches may have thought that I may have – I don't know, kind of a setback with commanding a room or um, just being able to, like, be that kind of presence um, that, that, you know, you need in a coach. But um, I think they realized real quickly, and and especially Coach Stewart too, and I appreciate him for it because – being in a, like, just growing up in a Polynesian background and environment, we're always taught to kind of just respect the hierarchy, um, whether it's, you know, your elders, or if you're in a job position somewhere, or whatever it may be, um, That that's just the way that I've been raised, and for me, I, I was always, I tried to be as careful as I could as far as when I, when I chose to speak or, or when. I would say things, um, just to make sure that I was respectful of, of coach Stewart of, of AJ. Um, cause obviously, you know, he, he, he was a running back coach and I, I, I respected him and, and I wanted to make sure that he knew that and he felt that. And, and I think sometimes some of the other coaches may have saw that as well, you know, maybe Harvey doesn't talk a ton and maybe he's not as loud as we need him to be. Uh, but, uh, it was, like I said, I, I'm really for phrase because he, he went to bat for me and, and would, you know, if I had suggestions, he would let the coaches know, like, hey, you know, Harvey brought this up, Harvey mentioned this or that, and, and was that voice for me at the time. But for now, you know, it, it's my, I feel like it's my time now. Now I can say whatever I want and, and um, you know, just, just be that loud and vocal coach that, you know, some of these guys need. Uh, not to say that I'm a super loud person in general, but Um, Yeah, I think there's always a time and a place for it as as a coach. And now I feel like just I don't have to be so reserved about it and and be careful, um, you know, when when I want to speak and and what I want to say and stuff. Now I feel like I can chime in and and add, you know, whatever tidbits that are needed for the offense, for the running backs, for you know the team in general. I think that's definitely something that'll be different. And, and the boys have seen it. I mean, I've been lucky enough to, to when we had Springwell, uh, coach them up and, and kind of take over that role. And, and they, I think they saw a different side of I me mean, for sure.
4: So real quick, Harvey, I was just curious with, um, once you got the position, uh, you were told by Kalani that you were the new RB coach. What was the expectations that Kalani set for you in your, your new role? Um, a lot of it,
3: I think, When, I mean, when it's all said and done, I've been here for four years with him. So I kind of already knew his expectations. So he didn't really like set any expectations as far as that goes. Um, Really his his whole thing was just, you know, keep keep trending in in what we're trying to not only just teach these boys as far as football goes, but, you know, with, with life away from football you know keep keep helping them grow as young men and keep helping them succeed in life away from football um that was that was something that i um you know i'm grateful that he he uh talked about but as far as the football side goes um he he really wanted me to to build that same you know dominance that, that the running backs had before I was playing while I was playing. Um, and and you know try to help these guys up their game and and not just running wise, but um, he challenged me to you know help them and figure out ways to, to help them succeed in the pass game um, to get more involved in that because um, I mean obviously in the past a lot of times that we've had successes has came from when our backs have been able to um, you know produce yards receiving just as much as you know rushing so. Um, on the football standpoint, like that was something that he uh, we had a good talk about, and, and um, it was fun just to reminisce and, and you know talk about his his heyday and everything, and, and you know how he was utilized in the backfield, even as a fullback slash running back. It's, um, you know he he wants that same kind of dominance and that same kind of uh, I guess presence as far as that goes with the team. Congratulations, Harvey. Um, you're not going to be able to avoid us after practice as easily now since you're... <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I would never do that. <laughs> hey, um, what are your thoughts about the running back group? Um, you've got a chance to work with them for a long time and yeah. be able to look at the
4: screen And with the transfer portal, that might change. But what are your thoughts on the potential of those guys?
3: I love them. I love them. I think um, they, they, all, they all bring... Um, Different elements to the game, um, but as as a, as a core, it's um, it's it, they it's a unique group. Um, I um, I've been fortunate enough to to be around them, like you said, long enough to to kind of know the ins and outs of every one of them. But the one thing I think that um, is surprising, and I think. I'm praying this fall, you know, it'll, it'll happen, but just the diversity of um, each back and, and really how well-rounded they are. I know a lot of people kind of say, oh, well, this back does this, this back does that, you know, maybe, you know, Shannon Finale is your scat back and, and Jackson McChesney is another, you know, smaller scat back guy and Beanie and Tyler are more of your heavier setbacks and and whatnot but honestly like I think every one of those guys um are they can do to me I feel like they can do it all and that's one thing that I I've been telling these guys you know to take pride in and and really like if you think that you're you know not as good at something then work your butt off and and become great at that and then everything else will it'll fall into place and it'll work out. So honestly, I think that's, to me, It's it's been the first few days of spring. I think it's been a pleasant surprise to see like them really step up to the challenge and then actually like go out there and, and not just try, but they were they they were doing it and they, they believed in it wholeheartedly. And that was something to me that I thought was awesome. Like I, I think, you know, each of these backs have the capability and, and, and the ability to, to be that well-rounded back that can, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield, they can run, you know, on a third and short or goal line and and make those tough yards and score. Um, And if, you know, we need them to pass, protect, they can still do that too. So it's been good though. I'm enjoying it.
0: I'll make this quick, but uh, in terms of recruiting, I don't know if this has been asked. I've been dropping in and out with my connection. But in terms of recruiting, what do you feel like qualifies you and what have you done to prepare yourself to go out on the road and recruit guys now? Oh, that's,
3: that's, uh, that's a really, really good question. Because, I mean, obviously recruiting is the, uh the life and bloodline of, of college football. But um, I think one of the biggest things that, that helps uh, someone in my position is – BYU is a unique place obviously in and of itself that being said um having been here having seen both um how do I word this both the um I don't know like the the academic side the honor code side the football side like I've been able to see the full spectrum and actually have um have dealt with the full spectrum um it it definitely helps me out as far as being transparent with the recruits, um, really telling them exactly, you know, how, how things are and just explaining to them, you know, what, what type of school BYU is and, and what we offer and everything like that. Um, and then as far as like in-state recruiting, like maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but like, I would love to go, you know, toe-to-toe with any of the other coaches in state as far as recruiting for someone. Like I'll recruit my butt off for whoever, you know, it is in state, and um, I feel like being from here, understanding, you know, obviously the, the state and, and trying to win the best players over here and stuff, um, I feel like I, you know, I'll, I'll do just fine. I, I can relate to the kids that, that live here, um, and then it, it was funny because, like, thinking about it, I'm I'm a, I guess a Polynesian kid or a minority that grew up on the East bench of Provo, Utah with no money. Um, and have like, have made it at BYU. I've I played here, made it through here, graduated, you know, accomplished goals that I had set. But I think having come from that kind of background, I feel like I can, I can relate to anyone. in in my opinion, I've, I've had, you know, my, I don't know, doubts with not having money growing up and everything like that. And I've also, like I said, I lived on the East bench of Provo where I I was around kids with a lot of money and kind of understand that whole dynamic and and can relate to those guys. And then obviously being a minority, um, you know, there's that aspect of it too, but growing up in Provo, Utah, there's not a lot of diversity. So um, it's, I mean, there's a lot of different things that I think have helped me um, just prepare for the whole recruiting process. And, and Kalani has been gracious enough to allow me to to recruit here in state um, a little bit. And it it was, I mean, to me, I don't think it's, there's no like secret formula or anything like that. Just going out and, and putting in the work the time and just grinding it out, and then building the the relationships, and kind of yeah, just taking it from there.
0: And a quick follow up to that: Have you already started building a network with, I guess, national coaches, et cetera, or national a national recruiting base where you can go out outside the state of Utah and talk to high school coaches outside the state if need be?
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's, um, I've I've been fortunate enough to to meet a bunch of different coaches going to the coaches convention. Um, and then there's each year when we have our coaches clinic, um, one of, one of the things that, that Kalani talked to me about early on was building the relationship with those high school coaches that come in for our coaches clinic. So, and, and surprisingly there, there was quite a bit from out of state and having built those relationships during the, even just the the small amount of time, um, with our coaches clinic, it's been a huge blessing for me. And and now moving forward with this, you know, I, I still I keep in contact with those coaches out of state and um there there's been uh quite a few guys actually too that, that I've I've played with um both here at BYU and after BYU that are now high school coaches at some pretty um prominent high schools throughout the country and uh, you know, just little little things like that and, and relationships that I've been able to build has definitely helped me as far as, you know, getting ready to hit the road outside of, of Utah.
4: I missed your, your first reaction, your thoughts of Provo, kid. You mentioned a little bit, but returning home and being a part of the coaching staff at a place, you're kind of a legend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
3: I appreciate that. I don't know if I'm a legend or anything, but uh, <laughs> I uh, definitely am, am more than, more than grateful. And, and I thank Heavenly Father every morning for it too. Like on my way to work, you know, I, I'm, I there's a point in time where I, I'm I hit the road and and I'm on my way here and I I just I know that's like my my prayer stretch where I'm driving and just thank him every day for it because this is I mean it's been a dream of mine to, to to be here to to coach you know at this university and then and then to coach a position that I love and and um, and just passionate about like did not ask for anything better so it's been a huge blessing and, and a humbling experience.
4: Have you just jumped right in there? You feel you're part of the group now with Kalani staff and everybody there on the offensive side?
3: Yeah, honestly, like these guys know. I don't – and Kenny can attest to it too. Whoever I – I feel like whoever I meet or whoever I, you know, come in contact with, I try my best to um, just be as as kind as possible and as, you know, as as welcoming as possible. And so when I first came in as, as a grad assistant, Um, you know, all all the coaches from Ty's staff um, to now Coach Grimes' staff, um, they've all treated me with the utmost respect and and have been just, you know, amazing guys to to be around. And so now transitioning into um, the full-time thing, like I, I can't count how many text messages I've gotten from like Fessy and Coach Clark and all these guys just giving me crap about, me thinking I'm big time now and whatnot and just joking around and stuff. So it's um yeah, I mean nothing's nothing's really changed as far as that goes. They still treat you the same and it's it's been a it's been a good um transition so
2: far.
4: Hey Harp, I'll jump in real quick, Jared, again. Yeah. Hey the um I just wondered you touched on a little bit, you know, talking to the boys, but what was it what was it like when they got the news that, that you were taking in uh, taking that full-time role. I mean, you'd already been doing it during spring when you had it and what was it like for, what was their interactions like when, when they heard that? Um, I think it, there was like
3: every, every one of them reached out to me and called me like one after the next after the, well, some somewhere on top of each other, but it was awesome. Like every, every one of them was just, you know, saying congrats, you know, we're, we're excited, to just keep going. And, and, you know, they, um, yeah, they were just ecstatic about it. And it's it's been, it's been fun. Like I, 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 these guys know I love them to death and they know I'll do anything for them. And, and, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was just cool to see just the support and the love and, and everything that those guys have. And, um, you know, hopefully I can just live up to whatever, uh, expectations they have. And if anything, hopefully, you know, exceed those and prepare them for, you know, every, everything to come their way.
2: I'm going to jump back in. Um, so you mentioned that when you first arrived to BYU as a player, you had no idea that you would have the career that you did now jumping in as a coach, what expectations do you have for yourself and what sort sort of a uh, short term and long-term goals do you have while in this position?
3: Norma, you're just coming out with fire today. Um, honestly, the, uh, and and I joke around sometimes, but I guess there's always some truth to every joke. But I um, I mess around with Kalani, and I I always tell him like, hey man, I hope you know I'm I'm coming for your seat. But obviously that's that's a long term that's a long term goal. I'd love to be there and and love to have that that opportunity. You know who knows how many years down the road. But um, for now, obviously you know trying to to master this you know just coaching this position um, and, and do the best that I can at it. But, uh, I think I, I, I mean, eventually I, I'd like to diversify the the positions that I coach. Um, so if it, it, you know, moving to another position and coaching another position, I think is something that I'd, I'd love to do and, and, would, you know, be more than happy to do. And then after this whole, you know, the position coach thing, um, jumping into the coordinator spot, um, with, just kind of go with the flow of everything and, and the transition as far as um, trying to reach those, you know, the long-term goals of, of being a head coach someday. And, um, you know, whether it's here at BYU or somewhere, I, you know, that's, that's the goal and the aspiration and something that, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best to, you know, to do and, and accomplish. And I'm not, I don't know. i have always just kind of taking it one step at a time from my playing days to even now as a coach, I don't try not to jump ahead of myself and take it, you know, one year at a time and, and make the best out of that year. And then the following year do the same. And then eventually I think things will they'll work out how they're supposed to work out. So but thanks for asking that, Norma. It's a good question.
2: I was going to hit you with another one. Um, yeah. You were talking about diversity and Me, as a first-generation Mexican-American who grew up on the border, now living in Orem, (laughs) there is a lack of diversity here and a lack of diversity in general at BYU, but the football team does seem to bring in some diverse players. So how do you sort of, using your background and your knowledge, help those kids adjust and just help them out here at BYU?
3: Um, So, and I don't even, I don't know if I should, I'm just going to say it, whatever. I was the black sheep of the family growing up. Um, I, um, I, I did it. I guess I, I wasn't your picture perfect kid growing up. Um, and I'm super grateful for my parents. They did an amazing job of, of raising me and my siblings, but I was just always a, you know, kind of a thick headed kid and thought I knew everything and tried to do everything. And so I definitely learned things the hard way. Um, and, and especially being, you know, from Provo, Utah. It's a small, knit community. There's not a lot of ton of people that um, that don't know each other out here. Everyone seems to know everyone, um, and so it like having gone through both the ups and the downs from like the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Um, I think that helps me relate to a lot of kids in a sense where um, I- I've noticed like. They, they seem to be a lot more open once they they kind of know my story and my background of of who I am, where I came from, and then the uh, the ups and downs that I've been through. And, and I think that's for for these guys. Um, they no, they they kind of they just they feel. I guess I don't know that I'm being genuine whenever I'm trying to talk to them and, and explain things to them and let them know like you know the do's and don'ts. And I'm not just saying it just because it's on the honor code. I'm saying it because I, I've lived it and I've had my, you know, ups and downs. So that's, that's definitely something that, that has helped me out, uh, as far as being a coach, but also a mentor and, and somebody that can help these kids out. Um, and then for the kids out of state too, like I, I mean, I lived in Chicago for five years and then, you know, was in Carolina, Jacksonville and had my fair share of uh diversity out there and and the real world and and you know life outside of the bubble supposedly um it's definitely helped me out you know relate a ton to these guys that, that are from out of state and um, that are coming here to something super foreign and super different uh, and you know that i mean obviously moving to orem utah it's, it's a culture shock so it's yeah it's something that's it's helped me out a ton
4: How how nice was it to have this like this news come in with everything that you guys, you know, that's been going on and your family dealing with everything and how nice was it to have something positive to kind of focus on a little bit? It's
3: honestly, it's, it's been really, really, really just helpful and, and, and um, just a breath of fresh air. Like you said, among all the stuff that's going on in the world, um, just the craziness and everything, it's, it's It's nice to just sit back and and know that you know something good has has happened, and I don't have to stay in my house and go crazy and stuff and drive my wife and kids crazy it's It's been nice to you know have this this surprise and and on top of it too it's it's my mom's birthday today, so that was like another added bonus for that so it's i, I gotta i gotta give her a call after this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been awesome. I'm, I'm just super grateful for it. And, and, you know, I, I'm sure everything, everything will work out, you know, with, with all that's going on, all the craziness and stuff, I think everything it'll work out and everything will be fine. And You know, I'm optimistic about the future and everything like
0: that. That was Harvey Younga. Got up next. I have a little sit down with Utah jazz president, Jim Olson. Thanks for joining us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. I am PK. We're back on the air. If you're not being back on, so grateful to be back. Joining me now, uh, the president of the Jazz and Sports Entertainment, and that is Jim Olson. Uh, we've been in this business for a long time, Jim, and uh, you know I don't know that I can remember a crazier time.
5: You know, PK, I can't either. Uh, you know, you, it starts with the coronavirus, and then all of a sudden yesterday morning, uh, everyone's getting ready to figure out their day, and we, we get shook with an earthquake. It uh, it has definitely been interesting times.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and there's so much to talk to you about. Thanks for coming in. Uh, just from the, you know, the, mo- the most, I think the most not necessarily interesting, but the one that has the most fan interest, obviously, in our community is and always will be the Jazz and relative to the NBA. So what can you tell us about what you know, because you've been involved in numerous conference calls and all that stuff about what's going on in the NBA as far as we know that it is a postponement but what the immediate future holds and the long-range future, I guess. And I know you don't have any specific answers, yeah. but pretty much what do you know?
5: Well, PK, I have one specific answer, and that is we're going to be playing basketball games again. Uh, I don't That's know good. when, but I know <laughs> that we will. <laughs> uh, we're going to have concerts in this venue. We're going to have conventions in this venue. And we're sitting in the venue right now. The radio station is going to keep broadcasting from this venue. So, you know, there there is going to be an end to this. And, uh, you know, we don't know exactly what the timeline is going to be we can speculate but but to your point, you know since this thing broke a, a week or so ago, you know I got it I got to tell you there have been relentless efforts from everybody starting with Gail Miller and the Miller family to uh, the leadership team, Steve Starks uh, the presence of uh, the Larry H Miller group of companies uh, leading out on all of the companies with Larry Miller group uh, to the leadership team within sports entertainment. Uh, it has been nonstop around the clock uh trying to figure out uh what what uh what lies what lies ahead you know it, it's interesting if i could just share for a minute you know when this whole thing broke i mean it really broke uh with the utah jazz and and rudy being the first player that was uh, diagnosed with uh with the uh, coronavirus you know, because of that, you know, we spent the first day and a half figuring out how to get our team home from Oklahoma City. Yeah, and, and that not, was crazy unto itself. Yeah, not only get them home, but get them home safely. Get them home without putting others in danger. And, you know, we're, we're so grateful for the uh, the doctors, the the health officials, uh, many other people that stepped up, government agency, uh, Spencer Cox, who has uh, been leading the uh, governor's task force on, on COVID-19 so many people stepped up to, to help ensure the safety of, of our players. And, and then once we got them home, uh, making sure that uh, they, they were they were quarantined and in a safe environment. So while many others were, were able to focus on other issues, we, we spent our first day and a half, two days, maybe even three days focusing on that.
0: So the players returned. And are they still under quarantine?
5: They are. They're still self quarantine and we have daily contact with them. Uh, we have people on the basketball ops side that are in contact, making sure they're okay, that they have food, and, and that they're not showing any symptoms, and uh, uh, they're taking very good care of the players. So there is a communication
0: from just the well-being standpoint How's it being handled as far as any terms of uh, basketball, uh, skill development, conditioning, or is that just all on hold now?
5: That's all on hold. Uh, the health of, of our players is, has been uh, a top priority. And, you know, it, I, I want to say this, too. The health of all of our employees has been a top priority. Uh, we were able, uh, the fact that we're sitting here in this studio today, we are able, able to get this space sanitized, but we've been sanitizing the, the entire arena, the, the practice facility, the office space over at the practice facility. Uh, you know, the health and safety of our employees has been our number one employee, or excuse me, our number one priority concern, yeah. concern, and and that that's from our players to to every employee that we have.
0: There's so much going on in the world as far as potential loss of of income, and who knows what that entails? It's because jobs are serious stuff. And you, you just can't take it lightly And any anybody gets laid off. I don't care who it is. You know, you feel it for them and you speak of all these employees that you've got going on. I mean, the Miller Corporation employs over 10,000 folks, right? I mean, that's just an enormous number. Uh, so here locally, in terms of your charge, what is being done to help and protect them?
5: Well, you're exactly right. If 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 I could just share this thought first, and then I'll get to get to your question. But uh, I can't tell you how many times I've thought over this last week. Yeah, um, Gail Miller often talks about enriching lives, and and uh, she and and uh, Larry and the family. You know that was that was something that was important to them from the very beginning. And one of the ways that they've been able to rich enrich lives and and enrich a community has been by providing jobs and you mentioned 10,000 we're, we're up almost to 11,000 employees in the Larry Miller group of companies and it has always been a priority of of the Miller family to provide jobs in the communities where they are and so uh it's just such a huge priority and so since that that's a priority from the top uh in our organization uh, we've been in regular contact. We we are reaching out to every employee. Uh, we've already reached out to every employee. Uh, there's been email communication, conference calls, one-on-one phone calls, making sure people are safe, making sure people aren't experiencing any symptoms of the illness. Um, we are we are focused on developing. Both long-term and short-term plans to try to protect our employees the best that uh, the best that we can. I can tell you uh, those those uh, discussions are still in the works right now, uh, but but there is an enormous commitment to protect our employees. Uh, you know, I, I've got to mention along those lines, we were so grateful for Rudy's contribution of two hundred thousand dollars to our part-time employees. Uh, we're excited uh, to get that distributed to those employees. Uh, you you know, there are some timing issues. He made that announcement a couple of days ago. And, and fortunately, you know, here at the arena, we just had nine events in nine days right before this whole thing broke. And, and so uh, most of our employees were able to work a lot of events, more events than they would in, in a particular time period like that. And they worked a lot of events. And, and that pay period is coming up right now. And we're processing those paychecks. And, and then uh, following after we get those paychecks processed, we're going we're gonna to work on making sure uh, that one hundred percent of Rudy's donation will go to to the part time employees that that put on you know game night here at the at the Utah Jazz. So those folks who
0: come in, they are basically contracted on a per event basis. Is that how
5: it yeah, works? They're, uh, th- no, they're they're hourly employees. So uh, you know they're, they're employees of the organization and they they come in and work an event. They have an opportunity to sign up to work the event. They, they don't work every single oh, okay. event. They, they you know they we we try to have a minimum just so we can manage the staff of of how often you have to work. To, so once again we can manage the right employee population. But uh, you know they sign up for events and and uh, we're going to make sure once again within a very short period of time that that uh, that donation of Rudy one hundred percent of it gets, it gets yeah. out to those employees. And, and this was unbeknownst to me, but I guess there was some
0: discussion that the money wasn't going to them, but you're telling
5: me that it is. I'm telling you uh, that uh, 100% of the $200,000 that Rudy donated will go to those part-time employees. Uh, you know, there, there's there's the discussion of how, to, how it best gets d- divided up and and uh, how it gets dispersed, And uh, but that's a huge priority, and, and we're going to have that uh, wrapped up here in the next couple of days.
0: So when you listen and when I listen to Adam Silver do his interview, you know, he's a man of you don't get to that stature unless you have great accomplishment in your, your personal and your professional life. And as I'm listening to him speak, he speaks of the 30 days that he originally put out there, but then he says that, okay, this is just basically a guideline. I just put that out there to give people some idea. It's not... It's not a deadline of any sort. It's an idea. And as I come away listening to him speak, is that he doesn't really know specifically what is out there for sure that he can say, we're going to go down this path, we're going to go down that path. Since we're in such uncharted territory here uh, in, in the world, literally, uh, from, a, from an NBA standpoint and from a franchise standpoint, how much concern is there over the fear of the unknown?
5: Well, I think that's something that we're trying to uh, we're trying to combat. Um you know, there is unknown. But but I don't want to call it fear. Okay. Um, what we're doing is we are focusing with, to your point, it was a great point, uh, we're focusing with the great leadership of Adam Silver, the great leadership of Gail Miller in this community, we are focusing on every single possibility and scenario that could roll out in the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we know this is going to end. We know we're going to play basketball again. We know we're going to have great concerts, great shows, Great events, and so what is that scenario? If for some great uh, opportunity that happens in 30 days, we will be ready to open up these doors and and uh, put on all the events that we do. If it's 60 days, we'll be ready. 90 days, Uh, you know, we there have been a lot of calls with experts and and people are trying to, you know, guess how long this this thing's going to go. I'm going to stay away from that. But what I'm going to tell you is is uh, we every waking uh, moment we are considering. Scenarios to make sure we're in the best position for when those doors open.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting thing. You're preparing for stuff to happen that might not happen, but yet you still have to be prepared for it, no matter if it happens or not. That's kind of a crazy. Uh agenda each day, basically, as you guys come to work?
5: You know, I I, I probably shouldn't use this as, a, as an example, but quite frankly, it's a really good example. You know, we've experienced lockouts before, yeah. and you know, a lockout can end any day, right? and boy, the minute that lockout ends, we're in business. And so, we've got people that are experienced and understand that scenario. We are so fortunate to have the employee base that we have. Many of them are working from home right now, uh, but, but their commitment to continue... To do their jobs and figure out new ways, we're getting innovative. We're figuring out new ways to to connect with our fans. Uh, we're figuring out new products that we're going to be able to roll out. So it's it's given us a chance to get innovative and uh, allow our employees to to maybe do some of the things that you wouldn't normally have time to do in a normal business environment. And uh, from from every employee throughout the whole company, we are committed to making sure that the day this thing uh, ends, we're ready to go.
0: One of the things that Adam Silver discussed possibly is that as you're looking at this and Pretty much everything and anything is on the table for discussion. I think he even said that if you have ideas, let me know if I remember correctly, uh, basically saying that. And there's been talk of considering uh, an adjustment of the calendar on a permanent basis. Is that something that the Jazz have thought about, and do they have an opinion on it?
5: Well, I will tell you that, uh, yes, it's something that the Jazz have thought about. Once again, just back to this, uh, the thought that we are considering every scenario, every possibility. Um, we're, we're not prepared to, to share an opinion on it right now, but I will tell you, uh, with everything else, those discussions are, are being had.
0: So last week, the governor spoke, and you talk about Spencer Cox and had some other folks listening, and I was actually driving back from Vegas because I was down there for conference basketball, and so I'm listening to it as I'm literally driving home, and I noticed that they have Steve Starks there, and I thought, I mean, that's interesting to have a, 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 who we would recognize as a sports person, I mean, I know he has other duties beyond that, but we'd recognize him as a sports person, but then I'm thinking, well, the Jazz are such a focal point of the community to where, in a lot of ways, that if this arena got open and things got back to normal, it's almost like the jazz would set the tone for the rest of the community. Uh, do you feel that way in terms of management uh, being so involved in this community that you are a leader in terms of things have happened that need to happen? And what I mean by that, have you reached out to businesses and, and clients and all that type of stuff? And what type of discussions have been going on there?
5: You know that's a great question, PK, and I'm going to answer it in two parts. One, yes, you know the Jazz are a focal point of this community, and we have a, we have an absolute responsibility to lead out, and uh, we're we're taking that responsibility seriously from everything from our employees to our fans, uh, patrons, everyone that we do our vendors, everyone that we do work with, and and we are committed to leading out and and helping. To be, you know, a positive force in getting through this. Secondly, to your point, you know, Steve Starks is running uh, one of the biggest companies in this business right now, or excuse me, in this community right now. When you take into consideration our dealerships, uh, finance company, real estate company, you know, everything and. Uh, there has been a great coordination from the governor's office to pull in the business leaders uh, that have the ability, and, and I want to I want to express something, and, and hope, hopefully I do it in a clear manner. But we have an opportunity right now. We have to be safe, and, and we have to be very careful about putting people in a situation where they can work in a safe environment. But when that can happen, it is so important to keep that going during this phase. You're here working today. We've got engineers, you know, helping helping the show run. Uh, we've got, I walked in downstairs, the sanitizing crew, you know, they're still, you know, cleaning up some of the areas. We, and, and I say we, I'm just saying the, the businesses of this community have a great opportunity to do everything they can to keep things going as much as possible in a safe environment. And and once again, it's Steve Starks as leader of the, the Larry Miller group of companies. He's been involved in those conversations, and we're committed to, to play a, a positive role in doing that. So
0: as one by one things close, the, the, the NBA season stopped, NCAA tournament canceled, that didn't I mean, I mean it had an effect on us because we had two teams that were going to play in there and then it gets more to the local level and it's like it, it, it's it's like a blow okay the gyms are being closed oh the restaurants are being closed oh you know what I'm saying yeah. you follow along and then we hear that the theaters are being closed oh no and it's like it's our lives that we know Uh, They're being taken away from us. I'm not judging whether it should be or shouldn't be. I'm just saying that's the reaction. And you see the emails. Oh, no, the theaters now. And the theaters are such a form of entertainment that everybody uses. And whether you're a sports fan or not, how much angst and deliberation went into that to make that decision?
5: You know, uh, you're probably going to get me uh, to be a little emotional right now. Yesterday was a tough day. Uh, we were we were holding on to the theaters as as one of those things that was still providing that opportunity right. for people to escape um, you know uh, for better or for worse we were the last man standing as far as being open and, and we sh- we just decided that after discussions with, with national theater organizations as well as local groups that it was the right thing to do it, it was a hard day but but I've got to mention um, th- when we talked to the theater staff yesterday and went through this whole process to see their energy and their excitement to figure out you know wh- when the those theaters open back up, they're going to be opened up as if they're being opened up for the first time, that we're going to be able to get some work done and some things updated and, and new ideas of how to engage and create a better experience at the theater. And so um, while it was a tough, tough day yesterday, I got to tell you, there's still a passion and an energy to make sure uh, that those things open up. We, we've learned that when when you come out of difficult times like this, theaters are actually one of the first thing to bounce back because it's a quick, fun, yeah, yeah. great form of entertainment. So we're going to be ready for that.
0: And so you speak of uh, some national discussion. Uh, how much at the company level, you've already spoken with the with the locals, and we know you've been involved, obviously, with the political leaders. But in terms of when decisions are made now, it's basically shut down, uh, how much discussion... Are you involved in on a national level to know that we're not operating, isolating here? We're just doing what everybody else is doing. And so you're prepared as you go forward to match what is out there and what is viewed as acceptable from a national level.
5: Yeah, the the one thing I would say is that there hasn't been a single decision made in a vacuum throughout this process with our organization. Every decision has been in conjunction with discussions through the NBA, discussions with other major uh, arenas throughout the country, uh, health uh, organizations, and uh, doctors and experts in the field. And so, you know, uh, we as a company we 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 often say, you know, it's not important to be first it's important to be right and so maybe sometimes you know like the theaters it probably took us a day or two to close before some of the others and some of these other decisions we're making we want to be right and so everything we're doing we're consulting as i mentioned with the mba and the other businesses that we're associated with and when we make a decision it's the right decision
0: so As far as and probably the thing that has the most interest is the NBA because we're all fans of the Jazz to one degree or another, and we're you know in our case it's so important to our jobs. Uh, As the days go forward and there is monitoring and discussion and all that, how will it come about in terms of whenever it is? Because you say we will we will have basketball again when we reach that decision of when it's time to return. How? does that decision get made, and who's involved? Because I just don't think it's Adam Silver calling up everybody, okay, we're going on the 25th <laughs> or whatever. How's that work?
5: Yeah, well, there, there have been and there will continue to be regular phone calls uh, with NBA Board of Governors, NBA presidents, uh, phone calls at other department levels, from ticket sales to corporate partners to arenas and operational needs at the arenas. And I will tell you that uh, every aspect of the business will have a voice. In and when they are ready, and and when it's the right time, and uh, once again, you know, history has shown that Adam Silver knows how to bring people together, and the decision will be collaborative, and it will be right. Would it be a vote? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not aware exactly if it would be that. I, I think, the, you know, my thought that it'll be very clear to everybody when the time is right. And, and we're, we're going to be anxious and we're going to be excited. But at the same time, it, it's got to be right from a safety standpoint. Yeah. Uh, everyone's going to know when the time's right.
0: And so how much time would you need from the time that, OK, we think we can go before the time that it actually you do go?
5: well I mean simply from an operational standpoint we would be ready within days uh, but there's more to it than that there's communication uh, you got to look at team issues and travel for teams and you know getting that travel scheduled uh, I'm going off of memory but it seems like in in our last lockout was it maybe seven to nine days somewhere you know it, it turned around quick but uh, you know week to two weeks and uh, things will things could get rolling it,
0: it seems like correct me if I'm wrong but we're are we two years or three years removed from the... Coming up on two or three years from the building renovated during that season? We're in summer? our third
5: season okay. with the renovation. Right. Yeah.
0: And it it seems like since then... We're in here every day, obviously. And it seems like since the renovation... Am I accurate in saying there's been way more activities and events than before?
5: <laughs> you're, you're absolutely accurate. Uh, this, re- this renovation has been one of the greatest things uh, that we've done as an organization. We've gone, I'll, I'll throw you the numbers, we've, we've gone from an average of 12 to 14 concerts a year to over 30 okay. concerts a year. I thought so. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and not only just concerts, big shows. Right. Uh, we, we, we're now, in, in the concert industry, there's, there's a term that's used, must-play if you're a must-play market. And, you know, this renovation turned us into a must-play market. Shows want to come play this venue. And uh, so our shows have almost tripled, and we're getting the big shows. Yeah, yeah. Las Vegas North, here we come. You know, and and, and if I could just mention that, (laughs) you know, all of the shows that we had scheduled for March and April—they they haven't been canceled. They've been postponed. That's what I was going to lead to. Yeah, I got an email last night uh, from John Kimball and Mark Powell, who run the arena from uh, the event standpoint, and and uh, we already have dates for every one of those okay, shows. That's exactly now, exactly what I'm going to—they haven't been announced yet because there's some there's some uh, scheduling conflicts with not conflicts, but scheduling issues in other markets that everybody's working on. But I will tell you, every single one of them have one or two dates that are being held to make sure those get rescheduled. I I don't think we're going to lose a show.
0: That's, yeah, that's exactly was my question because it's not just the ball club to hear to play games but it's all this other stuff that people come down here for. I mean, this is obviously the place where I would imagine, I mean, I know football stadiums hold a bunch, but in terms of overall attendance in a to Z in events this building has got to be far and away the lead in this uh, in this community
5: yeah I mean we have a hundred events a year you know including the jazz games you know 40 plus with playoffs when we have those and 50 about events of you know other types of events it's 100 nights that's one out of almost every three nights of the right. year that we're running.
0: Okay. Uh, before we get out of here, anything that I didn't ask that you want to say?
5: No, but I want to check in. Are you doing okay? How How are you and your family?
0: Uh, as far as we're going, uh, as far as we know, we're okay. And <laughs> uh, my wife's a school teacher, and this is a funky time, obviously. And I've got a ninth grader and a, another one in college, and and uh, and I think that uh, from from just the average citizen, there is there is a sense of of just the unknown is is okay i got this and now we've settled into this pattern yeah. it's not great yeah could be worse yeah. it's not great but what else is out there yeah. you know are are we going to have to do something else you know it's the possibilities scare you a little bit and and i think the fear of the unknown yeah. is what's ahead if if we just had to deal with this and this is the way it is for x amount of time I think, at least from my perspective, from our family, we've settled into this. Right. You know, instead of going to the gym, I'm now going to the park in the afternoon and I'm walking around. All right. I can live with that. Yeah. But what's next? If there is anything next. And I think that maybe I don't know that I speak for anybody, but I speak for my little family. And that's what we're concerned about. And uh, one of the things that I think that you really, really realize is that, man, whatever your routine is that's a good routine to have and it's been at least in my case getting up coming to work and now going home you know I'd go home and take a nap go to the gym and then this time of year i go to spring practice right and then I come home and I'm watching the ball game and I'm taking notes and all that. Yeah. Well now i was like, "Well, what the heck am I supposed to do?" You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to be doing that routine. I want to be doing it desperately. I want I want to go to spring ball this afternoon. Yeah. I want to see which Utah quarterback is going to throw interceptions against the Sun Devils next fall. You know what I mean? I want to know that.
5: <laughs> well, listen, hey, all I know is you got to stay safe. You got to stay you got to you know stay healthy, but uh we, we all can pitch in, find a way to serve your neighbor, find a way to look out for someone in need, give a little bit to those that need. And uh, this is a community that prepares for times like this. And we've seen incredible things going on in this community. And uh, I just think we all have an opportunity to pitch in and help.
0: All right, that's Jim Olson, president of the Jazz, president of Larry H. Miller Sports and Entertainment, getting you up to date. We appreciate you. Thanks for coming in, Jim.
5: Thank you. Good to be with you. All
0: right, that was Jim Olson right here on 97.5. 1280 The Zone, he came in studio to we'll play that interview for you. And coming up next, we've got What's Trending, a whole
4: bunch of stuff. We've got a bunch of stuff to cut, get to this morning. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.